Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Joy of Financial Planning podcast. The topics of this podcast are a complement to the book, Joy of Financial Planning, available in stores including Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. Joy of Financial Planning is about the belief that we can overcome the unique economic and life challenges we face as a generation by first getting our financial house in order. In fact, we have no other choice. Now more than ever, we must grow our wealth, follow our passions, live with compassion, and find a way to achieve a personalized version of the American dream. Just as it has been in prior generations, the ideal of the American dream is being challenged, not just because of the novel coronavirus pandemic, but because of the callous murder of a fellow black man, George Floyd, that we all got to see. The example of his abuse, and that of many others, cuts through the core of the American dreams I have believed in all of my life. I have a persistent belief that all are created equal, worthy of respect, deserving of opportunity, and the ideals of the American dream live inside all of us. I thank you for supporting dreams, your dreams, by listening to this podcast. The purpose of this content is to educate listeners and for them to inform others. This episode is part of a series of recorded Zoominars from my Jason Howell Company YouTube channel. That's where you'll find the video versions. In my business life, my wealth management firm collaborates with many experts. Together, we transform regular investors into patriarchs and matriarchs of their families and their communities. This episode features some of that expertise. Please send your feedback to jason at jasonhowell.com and give this episode a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, if that's the kind of thing you do. For more about my unique brand of family wealth management, just go to jasonhowell.com. And now, CDFIs save the world with Andrea Longton, CFA, of the Opportunity Finance Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great episode of the Jason Howell Company Speaker Series Zoominars. My name is Jason Howell, and as always, I'm happy to share my network not only with our Jason Howell Company clients, but also all of you and everyone watching all around the world as it is. Uh, so glad that you're here. We've got a great show today, CDFIs. What the heck are they? Why are they good for communities? Well, we've got someone to answer that question. Andrea Longton, a chartered financial analyst with the Opportunity Finance Network is here, and we'll get into a lot of details about that so that we can find out really how we can impact our communities going forward. But before we get into the Q&A, let's just meet Andrea. Andrea, how are you doing today? And did you get any snow where you are? I'm doing very well today, Jason. And thank you so much for having me. And it's always a pleasure to talk to people about one of my favorite subjects, CDFIs. I am currently visiting family with Kentucky, and it snowed here today, which my kids really enjoyed. It snowed. It snowed. How about now? Did you enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> it's not. It's always nice to get outside, even if it's cold. Oh well, super, super. Well, we're just admitting some folks in here as we um, are about to get started. Everyone should know if you didn't know what a CDFI was or is, uh, and you had questions about it, go right to the chat. 
ask some questions there. I promise you we'll get to your questions. Even though we have a few, it's more important that we hear from you as well. And so just put them in there and we'll get to them for sure. And I think we've got most folks now, so I'm gonna go ahead and switch the screen and uh, get into our presentation. Okay, so if you came here to learn how CDFIs impact your community, you came to the right Zoominar, congratulations. We are so happy to have Andrea Longton CFA with the Opportunity Finance Network here with us to share uh, not only a little bit, but hopefully a lot about this concept of community development finance institutions, so very important. But before we get to all that, a word from our sponsor. And of course, it's Jason Howell Company. Uh, Jason Howell Company is a family and institutional wealth management firm that empowers communities one family at a time. We do this by transforming our investors into community stakeholders and use those environmental, social, and governance factors on our investment strategy. It's actually one of those strategies that you wouldn't think would be comprehensive, but it is. It actually is something we discovered here in 2020. And we are very, very happy to start sharing it with our clients and our new clients when those come aboard. If you'd like to learn more about Jason Howell Company, just go to jasonhowell.com. And with that, we'll move on to Andrea Longton, uh, one of the smart people that we love to partner with and all kinds of questions we have when we speak with our clients, um, whether it's about investing, whether it's about philanthropy, whether it's about any number of stories, we need people like Andrea on the team out there to answer them. So Andrea, we're happy to have you here today to talk a little bit about something you really enjoy talking about. But before we get into that, I would love to hear more about you and have everyone on the line hear about you as well. So you're with the Opportunity Finance Network. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but tell us a little bit about something that you're particularly interested in, something you started, the Social Justice Investor. Yes, uh, thank you. The Social Justice Investor is something that was born out of frustration, uh, where I I'm a social justice investor, which means that I have dual returns objectives as an investor of sustainable financial earnings coupled with social justice returns. And I remember calling my financial advisor and saying, this is what I'd like to do. And the response was, I'm not really sure how to do that. And if my financial advisor, who's been in the business for 30 years, doesn't know how to do this, then there's something else going on here. Uh, and so I started thinking about, well, how do I build a narrative for investors who are interested in the same ideas that I am? Because I meet people like that all the time. How do I build a narrative to help break down that intimidation factor of this is really what, to, what I want to accomplish? And if I bring this to somebody like Jason Howe, uh, who gets it, let me work together with my financial advisor to figure out how I can incorporate my social justice values into my personal investment portfolio. And the Social Justice Investor is a website that's for, uh, dedicated to resources for people who want their investment portfolios to reflect their social justice values. It goes through an investment framework, uh, walks through a potential investment policy statement, and also includes a blog of inspirational and motivational stories from people who are investing in the potential of people. And that's what a Social Justice Investor is, someone who uses their time, talent, or treasure to invest in the potential of people. Uh, and so it's a, a labor of love that was born out of frustration, uh, but I'm really proud to, to be maintaining it and updating it. Oh, so glad you are. It's socialjusticeinvestor.com? That's correct. 
Okay, socialjusticeinvestor.com. And of course, you're no slouch. You're a charter financial analyst. And so you know about investing and uh, yet you're still working with someone and you find yourself having to inform them. that collaboration. It's a good thing. It's what you should have. Um, tell us a little bit though about this thing called a charter financial analyst. Of course, I, I bumped into you, Andrea, at church and, uh, and learned that you were a CFA to my chagrin and was uh, immediately fascinated with you because of that. So tell us, um, tell the rest of us what a CFA actually is. Sure. A CFA is a des professional designation for investment analysts. It's typically attached to Wall Street analysts uh, and uh, traditional investing uh, on the on Wall Street. Uh, and so, since I'm in social justice investing, it's uh, often people kind of scratch their heads and go, "Wait, you can have you can do both? Yes, you can." <laughs> but as a CFA charter holder is someone who's passed three. Uh, examinations uh, covering um, all of the whole range of financial analysis curriculum from ethics to portfolio management to financial analysis to uh, securities information uh, and then has four years of professional experience on top of that. Neat. Very, very neat uh, from someone in the in the profession, in the industry. It's just amazing to see that. And I, I love how you're applying it. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that. Um, just for the next 60 seconds, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences at Capital Impact Delphos International? Sure. Uh, it's all about development finance. How do we put money in places that have been overlooked and underestimated for too long? So in both of those organizations, I was able to structure uh, financing vehicles to drive affordable capital to low wealth communities. At Capital Impact Partners, that was to low wealth communities in the U.S. And at Delphos International, that was to low wealth communities internationally. Uh, one of my biggest achievements and proudest achievements is building out one of the first nonprofit publicly traded debt securities at Capital Impact Partners. That was S&P rated, continuously offered, and DTC traded. Uh, that will likely be one of my biggest uh, achievements ever. Wow. Wow. And, and for those of you who are following, all of that uh, financial mumbo jumbo just means uh, she's applied some of the most important and highest level type of investment work to social justice, essentially so financial social justice, which is just, it's the subject of our show. It's what's amazing that we can actually do this and try to help save the world. Well, let's get into some of the Q&A that we've prepared. Again, if you have a question, just put it in the chat. I will be happy to read that out so that Andrea has a chance to answer it. Uh, let's start with the basics and then we're going to get into where you work now. What is a community development finance institution? Terrific question. Uh, community development financial institutions, which most often go by their acronym, CDFI, are community lenders who drive affordable, non-predatory capital into low-wealth communities across the United States. They are certified as CDFIs by the U.S. Treasury Department as being both financially sustainable and impact forward. Interesting. Okay, so they're they're all over the country, um, right. and they are funded in part by the Treasury. Yes, about fifty percent of their they thank you. They're they are located all over the country. There's a, over one thousand different CDFIs. They can be banks, credit unions, loan funds, or venture capital funds, uh, and about 50% of their capital comes from mainstream banks. Bank of America holds one of the largest portfolios of CDFI investments. Uh, and the bank has Community Reinvestment Act obligations, uh, US legislation, uh, where they need to, they are required to invest into communities uh, who deposit 
uh, money into their institution. So if a low wealth uh, community, uh, someone within a low wealth community has a bank account at Bank of America, then they deposit that money in Bank of America. Bank of America is required to reinvest some of that capital into that low wealth community. Got it. And this is Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 under Jimmy That's Carter, correct. 1995 under Bill Clinton? That's correct. Okay. All right. Terrific. Well, tell us about the Opportunity Finance Network where you work. How yeah. does that tie in with CDFIs? I'm extremely proud to work at OFN, uh, which is the national network of CDFIs. And we are a CDFI in and of ourselves. Uh, and so Bank of America holds the biggest portfolio of CDFI investments. Uh, OFN is quickly closing in to be the second biggest portfolio of CDFI investments. Go OFN. <laughs> Uh, we are a fund of funds, uh, which means that we are a fund ourselves. And rather than lending directly into the project, so let's say there's a daycare center um, that is struggling right now because of COVID for reasons that they can't control. Uh, and part of the, their struggle is making sure that they have enough income coming in to pay their mortgage on that uh, building that they own. So a CDFI would lend directly into the daycare. OFN is a step above that. So my job is to get money in the back door of that CDFI at a low rate so that the CDFI can lend to the daycare at a low rate. Got it. And so you're, you're a, and in some ways, like a lending institution, obviously, a la Bank of America. But there are other ways to, to fund organizations. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Uh, if you are an individual investor or an institutional investor, there are a myriad of ways that you can invest in your local community through a CDFI. Uh, and CDFIs are particularly great asset class for lending into your local community because they have on the ground presence. They uh, go where they start where traditional or mainstream banks stop uh, because mainstream banks have big arteries that they work through, that they flow capital through. And then they have to go into those capillary networks for if their capital um, conduits are too big, they hand off that money to CDFIs who then disperse the capital through much smaller, much more tailored veins to the communities that they serve. Uh, and so you can, banks invest in CDFIs, but individuals and institutional investors invest in CDFIs as well um, through either calling up your financial advisor and saying, I'd like to invest in a CDFI. Here are a couple that are in the capital markets right now, or going through a company like, or asking your financial advisor to help you navigate a company like C-Note, uh, which is a technology platform where you can invest in a diversified pool of CDFIs. If you're an institutional investor, you might be on the lookout for a group like Morgan Stanley, who puts together one-time bond issuances at uh, large sizes on an ad hoc basis. Now, this is going to be for, it sounds like the debt side of our diversified portfolios, right? That's is there right. any opportunity with CDFIs on the equity side? Stocks? The Sure, the opportunity that currently exists for stock options within CDFIs is with a CDFI called Opportune, which is in the Bay Area in California. Uh, and they had an IPO a couple of years ago and they are publicly traded. Um, most CDFIs are nonprofits and because of that, they don't have an equity position. Um, they have the, the nonprofit equivalent, which is net assets. And so CDFIs are unable to have something like an IPO because of, of gap laws and securities laws. So it is more challenging to have an equity position in a CDFI, very possible to have a net asset position, but that looks more like a, a grant from the philanthropic side. Um, with that being said, and this is not CDFI related, but from a social justice investing um, 
standpoint, a, a brand new ETF just came to market last week uh, mm -hmm. from Addisina Social Capital, which uh, screened out for social justice considerations, started with 9,000 global companies. And by the time they screened out for racial, economic, gender, and climate justice, only 891 remained. Uh, yeah. So that, that's something to consider too. Uh, sorry, Jason, I'm, I'm dropping that on you and it's not CDFI related, but I was really excited <laughs> to see something that could round out my social justice investment portfolio from the equity side. Because as a younger investor, uh, I want to have a, a strong equity position, a well-diversified equity position. We do, we do. And, and we are not claiming anything regards to performance or anything like that. We are not advocating for any particular securities, but we certainly want people to know that there are options out there. And you, you do hear often about the, the traditional 60-40 portfolio. Um, you know, how much of a difference could it make if we had our 40% of all of our portfolios going towards CDFIs? Mm -hmm. that, that's exactly correct. Yeah, so there's plenty to do on the uh, on the debt side, on the bond side. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about how CDIs are funded. Can you repeat just about how many are there and, and kind of where are they around yeah. the country? Be happy to. There are over 1,000 CDFIs throughout the country, uh, and they can be in Jackson, Mississippi, to Oakland, California, Detroit, Michigan, uh, Bangor, Maine, Austin, Texas, they're absolutely everywhere. If you want to find a CDFI that's in your specific community, OFN, my company, if you go to OFN.org, there's a CDFI locator and you can search for CDFIs per your specific location. It's a fantastic tool. Uh, and CDFIs are funded through a, they have a diverse uh, capitalization stack normally uh, from CRA motivated lenders, those banks who need to, to meet their CRA obligations. Community that's Community Reinvestment Act, Act CRA. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are several CDFIs who've gone to capital markets, um, who Capital Impact Partners being one of them, LISC being another, um, that you can go and, and talk to your financial advisor and say, I'd really like to learn more about CDFIs. Can you help me find their prospectus? Can you help me find uh, information on them? Uh, and they'll usually go to market once or twice a month. And they are, CDFIs are also funded through foundations, uh, philanthropies, um, institutional investors, um, or, uh, family offices. Anybody that can invest has usually found a way, uh, a CDFI somewhere has found a way to interact with them. So you mentioned having trouble with your financial advisor. I don't know if that was an independent advisor. Have you found the Morgan Stanleys, the Merrill Lynch's, the UBS's, they are very familiar with this concept of CDFI investing? They're getting there very quickly. Uh, two years okay. ago, uh, no, not at all. But then again, CDFI products coming to market only happened in 2017. Uh, and so it okay. takes some time to go from, um, you know, the, the products have to be there for financial advisors to be able to consider them because you can't consider something that doesn't exist. Um, and so before those um, products came to market, investors who were interested in CDFIs would have private loan agreements with CDFIs because CDFIs have been around for 40 years. Um, they're an overnight sensation 40 years in the making and they're an overnight sensation because all of a sudden corporations, institutional investors, individual investors have said, you know, I want my money to go towards something that I believe in. I know my money's working for me when I'm sleeping. Let me look into that. And so uh, individuals and corporations and institutional investors looked around and said, CDFIs are doing this work. 
they, they have a long track record successfully lending into communities. Let's figure out how to lend into them. Uh, and so as that has happened, um, you know, Google invested $180 million in CDFIs through my company, OFN. Um, Twitter uh, invested $100 million through my company and OFN just in the past six months. And with that comes a lot of PR and visibility where CDFI, um, maybe you heard every now and then if you're an elected official to a steady stream of, hey, we're kind of interested in this. Can you tell us more? And so with more and more of that visibility churning, we're seeing a lot more interest. We're starting to get out there a lot more. And those mainstream publications who really help to shine a light on organizations are picking up CDFIs more and more. Uh, and so it's really been a moment to, to be part of. It's been extremely busy, extremely exciting and really powerful. And I'm really proud to be at OFN, which is at the crux of all of it right now. It sounds very exciting. Now, they've been around for 40 years, but I guess the tradability of it only a few years. That's correct. Only since 2017 did CDFIs really come into market. And there are only uh, about 10 CDFIs that have come to market. Uh, the market, as you well know, Jason, has um, gatekeepers and suitability concerns, uh, and CDFIs have to fight their way through those barriers. I'm proud to say that I've been part of that edge that um, goes in and knocks the barriers down one at a time, but it takes time to, to make your way through. And we were talking about this before we started, you know, the Charter Financial Analyst uh, designation and institute, they've been around a long time, but now if you go to their homepage, what do we see? Sustainable investing. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, incredibly exciting. Well, we have heard from politicians and others about this thing called opportunity zones. Um, we've, we've not heard about the CDFIs, maybe for good reason. Can you tell us what the difference is? Opportunity zones and CDFIs are both supported uh, and certified through the federal government. Um, opportunity zones was born of uh, the previous or this administration's um, White House, and CDFIs uh, were began to be certified in 1995 during the Clinton administration. Uh, and so, in that way, they are similar. They are both certified by the federal government, um, but their mission is very different. Um, and you have to dig in pretty deep to find, find the difference. CDFIs are there for community development. Uh, and CDFI's vision is to drive affordable capital into low wealth communities. That's what they're certified to do. They have to lend and invest in communities that are considered low to moderate income. Opportunity zones are um, tax favorable investment areas where um, organizations are able to invest. Uh, opportunity zones are not regulated by a group that has an eye towards community development. Uh, most similar investment opportunities like LIHTC, Low Income Housing Tax Credit, are regulated by the CDFI fund at the US Treasury Department. Opportunity zones are not regulated by the CDFI fund at the US Treasury Department or any other institution or agency that has a mission focused uh, vision. And so that vision creates a butterfly effect that then percolates up or, or spins down, however you wanna think about it. Uh, and because of that opportunity zones tend to be most successful opportunities for developers, housing developers, um, commercial real estate developers who want to lend in a disinvested area uh, the difference 
that you can see the proof is in the pudding. Often with opportunity zones um, that are developed by for-profit developers, um, you often see a lot of gentrification that happens in those areas. And we're still seeing the effects because opportunity zones are very recent. Um, CDFIs, if you look into the areas in which they invest, you don't see gentrification uh, because CDFIs listen to the community leaders and they ask the community leaders, what do you need for success? And how do we underwrite to your success? And so what you see is that leaders or community leaders are happy, people stay, people have opportunities to succeed where they are. Um, and a repaid loan is a happy byproduct. That's how CDFIs have been successful through customer service, KYC, uh, and a fine tuned underwriting experience, which as for a lending organization, is no different than a traditional lender. I've got a question in the chat, but we, I want to lean into this question around opportunity zones for a minute. I guess it's new on the federal side. Haven't we heard of opportunity zones for many years, though? We've heard of opportunity. So opportunity zones that I'm talking about are big O, big Z um, of this federally regulated, federally certified um, tax favorable program. Um, however, there are little o, little z uh, opportunity zones where um, elected officials or um, even lending organizations or um, um, developers have said, this is an opportunity. This is a place of disinvestment. This is a place of um, people who have been underestimated and under overlooked for too long. Let's invest here. So no matter what you do, you always have to go in with an eye for impact vision, for mission forward, community centric vision. And it all still comes that radiates out from there. Got it. Okay, let me get to this question in the chat. Are CDFI investments guaranteed in some way by the federal government? And can an investor lose some or all the funds they have loaned? Just like anything in finance and investment, nothing is safe. Anyone who tells you that you're looking at a safe investment, you've got to start looking for the snake oil because uh, it's, it's around the corner. Um, so CDFIs are investments, just like anything else. They are not risk-free. With that being said, if you look at the historical performance of CDFIs vis-a-vis -vis that of their um, FDIC-insured um, peers, they tend to be right on par performance-wise. During the Great Recession, they have demonstrated that they, in fact, outperformed their FDIC insured peers. Um, and so past performance is not, is not an indication for future results. We all know that. Um, but with a 40-year track record um, and solid risk management, you've got to do your own due diligence. But these are an asset class to consider for a fixed income portfolio. Again, you always have to do your own due diligence. Every CDFI is different. Um, but there is a substantial track record there to consider. The other question on guarantees is it all depends. Some CDFIs have a guarantee in place. Uh, I work with one CDFI, who, which is a native CDFI uh, on indigenous land uh, and the, their tribal government guarantees the CDFI that lends into that reservation. That CDFI is guaranteed. Uh, it's not guaranteed by the US Treasury Department, but it is guaranteed by another institution. There are also foundations that have created guaranteed pools for exactly that, to wrap around a CDFI, a guarantee, so that if um, something goes wrong, if the economy goes through a major disturbance, uh, there is that backstop there. But you, 
it is it tends to be CDFI to CDFI and investment vehicle to investment vehicle. The U.S. Treasury does not guarantee uh, CDFI performance. And and I guess when you're thinking about environmental, social, and governance factors, it's typically one of two or a blend of two reasons. You're either looking for impact, which is what we've been speaking a lot about here, and now we've started touching on the question of performance um, in this regard. As we know, risk and reward go hand in hand. So if it was guaranteed, you probably wouldn't have the opportunity to, uh, to beat FDIC because uh, that's a guaranteed program in and of itself. And so it's actually an opportunity that there is a little bit of risk here uh, to, uh, to get some return over and above what might be typical. Yes, uh, CDFIs tend to exist outside of that world a bit. They don't follow the same yield curve that most organizations do. Um, CDFIs have demonstrated that they look at risk in a different way, and they tend to redefine risk um, apart from that Wall Street uh, perception of what is risk. Um, if you look at FICO scores, um, CD, most non-CDFI lenders look at FICO scores to determine a, a person's creditworthiness. Uh, but CDFIs recognize that FDIC, or I'm sorry, FICO scores do not include um, several pieces of really pertinent credit information uh, that are relevant to the communities in which they lend. For instance, FICO includes things like, have you paid your mortgage? Uh, but they don't include things like, have you paid your rent? Have you paid your utilities? Have you paid your cell phone bill? What's your savings accumulation rate? All four of those are really strong credit factors that CDFIs look at that FICO doesn't. And so they assess risk by going back to the fundamentals. So I would argue, and again, this is CDFI to CDFI and you always have to do your own due diligence. But just because an organization is lending to the outside of the economic mainstream does not mean they're any higher in risk. CDFIs, like as I said before, tend to perform on par, if not better than uh, their traditional investing peers. Uh, and the other, so that's the risk side. And the return side is that CDFIs try to keep their returns low. Uh, and that is because the money coming into CDFIs reflects the money pouring out of CDFIs. If a CDFI has an investor who says, I need a 13% return, then that CDFI has to lend it to its community at at least 13% in order to make sufficient return to repay that investor. And so a CDFI is more likely to say, my return, and these are all hypothetical, I'm pulling them out of the air, but my return uh, needs to be 3% because my, my borrower on the ground can't afford to pay more than 5%. And so CDFIs don't necessarily follow that yield curve that we often see. Some do, and particularly those that are in the capital markets have to in order to compete uh, with their, their corporate peers. Um, but you always, when you go look at a CDFI, you've got to go in with a different mindset. You've got to go in with that social justice investor mindset of I'm looking for sustainable financial earnings and social justice returns. And sometimes it looks different than a traditional yield curve. Yeah, you're, you're looking at impacts that are a bigger deal and you're looking at perhaps something like stakeholder return. How, yes, how much more beneficial will a community be? That's correct. Can you tell us what finance justice is? Yes, I'm really excited about finance justice. It is an initiative 
that OFN developed as part of its signature conference. OFN holds a signature conference every year where everyone who touches the CDFI industry gathers to learn about best practices, what's going on in the industry. Um, a lot of deals get done in the hallways uh, and investors and CDFIs and borrowers come together to share what's working, what's not, and how can we move forward. This year, our theme was finance justice, which resonated hard for all of our CDFIs. This is a time where we've been financing justice for 40 years and some we've flown under the radar for 40 years. Uh, and so it's a time when a, a light has been on us uh, as an industry for how have CDFIs been financing justice. And we got to share our story at exactly that. Uh, and out of this theme, uh, Twitter, big, big company, came in and said, you know, we really like this finance justice work. We're going to put $100 million down uh, as an anchor investment in a finance justice fund so that CDFIs can continue to finance justice in America. And like we were talking about that low return, um, the returns on this are, are not market rate. Um, well, but we can go back to what market rate is, uh, but they're, they're low returns. Twitter saying it is worth it to us uh, to put $100 million in at a, uh, a lower rate in order to, to drive that capital at low rates into the communities uh, that CDFI serve. Wow, $100 million is not nothing. Uh, it's a big, yeah. big deal by Twitter. Um, another question here in the chat, if CDFIs are nonprofits, is any portion of the interest earning uh, earnings non-taxable with the federal or state government? That's a fantastic question. Today, no. The, unfortunately, that they don't fall into the regulatory requirements to provide that uh, attractive feature. Uh, we're working on it. And it's a, as anyone knows who's worked on the policy side, you've got to chip away at it little by little. Uh, but we're very optimistic in the new policy administration uh, that we will be able to advance this policy goal because it is a, a solid goal. And we know that that would be helpful for driving even more interest. And again, it's just been a few years that you had the public really involved. Exactly, exactly. Okay, okay. so in that light, uh, Andrea, what can we do to help grow the mission of CDFIs as investors and stakeholders in communities all over the country? Fantastic question. Talk to people about CDFIs. Call your financial advisor about CDFIs. Uh, call your elected official about CDFIs and make clear that you as a constituent or a client or a customer find this to be important, find social justice to be important and that you want your money and your resources, your taxpayer dollars to have guardrails around it so that you're making sure that that money goes to invest in the potential of people. And CDFIs are an asset class that you can't miss uh, in doing that work because we're at the heart of it. Uh, and we welcome everybody who wants to come in and join us in driving uh, affordable capital to low wealth communities. Um, but right now, CDFIs are in the heart of it uh, and just keep talking about CDFIs. We've flown under the radar for so long and we're getting a deep breath and saying, wow, this is the, what happens when you get some visibility and where you get to share your story. And people like Jason who say, this is fantastic. Please come share your story. Um, that's, that's how things happen. That's how movements happen. Invest in the potential of people is an amazing tagline, mission statement, uh, whatever. Jingle? It could be a jingle. I'd like to hear it. 
Um, another question here in the chat, uh, do religious organizations, national or local, I invest in CDFIs? They do. Religious organizations were one of our anchor investors of the entire movement that started in the 1970s. Uh, religious organizations came in and said, this isn't right. Redlining, the practice of uh, dividing up a neighborhood and any, any neighborhood drawn in red doesn't get a mortgage, isn't right. We want to put our money into that. And so religious organizations were some of the uh, anchor investors in the CDFI movement, and they continue to be today. How exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, um, you can go back to the, uh, I guess it's the 18th century too, and, uh, and Quakers were a big part of environmental social governance factors. So religious organizations, big deal within all of this. And since you and I met at church, we will put a little, uh, I guess, a little hat tip to, uh, to religious organizations. I'm going to stop the share here. So everyone brace yourself for bigger faces. And uh, we will come to a close here. But Andrea, uh, this has been informative. It's a very good introduction to the topic of community development finance institutions. I think everyone here who's watching now, folks who watch this video later, I hope will go and reach out to their financial advisors. There are 300,000 in this country. If, um, if 300,000 more people knew about this, that would help. It would certainly help. Um, beyond going to our financial advisors, though, maybe what's one thing that we can actively do to start not only sort of marketing the ideas of CDFIs, but really actually doing something with our dollars independently. Sure, I'm gonna go back to call your financial advisor. I'm a, I'm a finance nerd and an investment nerd, so that's the lens that I'll always see things. But talk to your financial advisor, find out if your financial advisor is willing and, and receptive to having a conversation about um, Having, about building out a portfolio that reflects your own personal values. And as you start talking about, well, what would that look like? And how do I invest? And what does my asset allocation plan looks like? You're going to come back to CDFIs uh, because CDFIs are in the heart of it. And so it's, and like I said before, I just want to put the, the money into our communities in the way that listens to our communities. And I'm really passionate about CDFIs because they do exactly that. They listen to their communities. They find answers in their communities because it's only within people who have that lived experience can tell you the solutions that are going to tackle issues that keep them from reaching their full potential. Uh, and all of that goes to, we all can do what we can, when we can, for as long as we can. And part of that for me is calling my financial advisor and saying, this is what I'd like to do. I want to have social justice returns. Let's build out this portfolio together. If you find a better way than CDFIs, please let me know. I'm all ears. I'd be happy to write about it on the Social Justice Investor. Um, but I think you'll find this to be a powerful asset class. That's terrific. And I guess more information on this stuff can be found OFN.org, mm -hmm. where you work, the Opportunity Finance Network, uh, yeah. socialjusticeinvestor.com. If you go, if you drop the, the you're still going to get fantastic resources. Uh, but if you want to go to to the site that I manage, you have to add a the to the very beginning. Add the the. Okay, folks, let's add the the. <laughs> uh, well, let's, uh, let's also add our appreciation to Andrea Longton, CFA, Principal at the Opportunity Finance Network. Thank you so much for being with us. And we look forward to learning much, much more about one of your big passions, and now one of my passions, community development finance institutions. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, I really appreciate it.